0: Welcome to the Thicket and Thistle podcast. This is a roundtable discussion of our favorite aspects of musical theater. This episode, Singing in the Rain. This is a 1952 American musical romantic comedy directed and choreographed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donen. It's a lighthearted story of three film stars that are caught up in the transition from silent films to talkies. Cause I'm blind, and I'm, blind. I'm blind, little blind.
1: It says it's live we are we are now officially live on the youtube
2: yay
1: uh, <laughs> welcome everyone <laughs> hello hello hello! thank you for tuning into this week's episode of our thicket and thistle podcast the podcast where we talk about movie musicals and whether or not we like them <laughs> wow. it will be three That's seconds a long you're gonna, get a, you're gonna get
0: a yes no answer and then the
1: podcast <laughs> is over <laughs> and it's gone <laughs> Six opinions and you're out.
3: <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say, especially after you were like, London Road is the best musical ever. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you going to say about singing in the rain? You asshole?
1: <laughs> Just to wait. I got some BSA trivia coming your way.
3: Is it Rita Moreno related? Because maybe maybe
1: not. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, uh, This week we are talking about singing in the rain. Gene Kelly. Uh, The MGM 1952 classic. With Debbie Reynolds. It was Debbie Reynolds' first movie.
3: 19 wow. years old. At 19. She
1: so just She's
3: 19. He, he and was Donald 20 O'Connor, years guys. older Let's than her.
0: Let's not top build this movie without saying Donald O'Connor. And the name Donald O'Connor.
4: Oh, so good.
0: Yeah. What? Yeah, we got to start talking about that 19-year-old thing right off the bat. Because we were... Speaking of things being canceled, man, this movie is... I'm afraid that the next... Six weeks, this movie's getting canceled by people.
3: I don't God, know. It's problematic. I don't think
0: it can. I it, it made there? a list. You want to hear it? Yeah. As the first
3: thing, I yeah, guess. Yeah, why not? Sure. I mean, it's Let's go. Let's, let's hear cancel, your let's problematic list.
0: <laughs> this is not coming from me. This is just me channeling myself into the overly woke uh, assholes in the world who want to ruin everything. Oh, can't. boy. Okay. Saying things like, oh, uh, <laughs> oh we see... Uh, We um, we see Gene Kelly basically force himself on Debbie Reynolds the first time they meet as a joke, kind of a rapey joke. Um, She's nineteen, which is weird. Uh, Lena apologizes for it. Let's (laughs) Let's keep keep the structure going. (laughs) Uh, So the character of Lena Lamont is uh, it's. Man, it's 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 troubling to watch sometimes. I was kind of mad because I was like, man, she doesn't talk for the first thirty minutes, and I forgot that it's because they use her. Her voice is so screeching; it's a surprise. So I, I kind of forgave that one. But um, she's basically written as a as just a screeching female that's poorly underwritten. Um, there's a a couple of scenes with some blackface natives that. I totally forgot about was like
3: (laughs) just like randomly in the background. Like, why did you need to include that? Yeah. They go through through a bunch of different movie sets and one of them is like blackface. And it's like, why, why?
0: That's that's four and fifth on my list, or maybe that's three or four. My one of the lyrics is the, the no name white guy singing uh, some song as soon as movies have sound again. He's uh, one of the lines is like, I'm in love with this girl and she's over sweet 16. <laughs>
3: that song is super weird. And why is it in there? Yeah, but I actually know the answer to that. Go for it. I was so I was reading a little trivia about singing in the rain. And what I didn't know before reading this was that none of the songs were originally written as like the script is written um especially for the movie it was not a musical first but it was written to include a bunch of songs that already existed that this guy had written just kind of to showcase so the songs like beautiful girl or whatever that horrible song is called is i was like why is this in here and then i read that yeah the,
0: like, the song oh. i'm talking about with the gross lyrics it's that one where he, he like at one yeah. point is just narrating outfits and it's like, a. Mon-
3: but most anyway, of it's really good.
0: <laughs> fair, yeah. I can watch a movie in its historical context without getting uh, uh, mad, but I, of the things I listed, let's not be surprised if this movie gets canceled because sure. I think people I are would coming say,
3: for it. I, I would say that like, as inappropriate as his coming on to her in the car in that for she's like, I appreciate her character is pretty like badass, independent woman through the whole. She's not like, okay. You know, she like pushes him off and says, no, it takes you.
5: her half which the I movie to good. turn around and be like, OK, <laughs>
3: well, yeah. yeah, but that's when she gets to know him. And he's so dreamy.
2: That's oh. what we call
3: character development, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it does, yeah, there it is does... something like very confusing about this movie, which is that it's definitely a 1950s musical that is set in the 1920s in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And it really reminds you of that as many times as it can in a scene that we're like, we're in the 20s, the roaring 20s. <laughs> like, so costumey in the 20s aspect of it, I find it very charming, but there's a lot of things to tell is like, this is okay by 50s standards, or is this someone in the 50s going like, well, this is how it was in the bad old days in the 20s. Like, <laughs> look at what they did on movie sets back then. It's really hard for me to tell. So um, I think for me in 2020, I'm just like throwing the blanket on all the oogie parts and being like, "Eh, it's um, it's old, old, (laughs) deplorable movies at some points.
1: (laughs) If you start digging into a lot of the musicals around like this era, especially like from like the 60s and, and stuff, like there's a lot of questionable characters and scenes and sure is situations. I mean, we we're if we ever get to Oklahoma, that's like the first one that like, comes out, comes out to me, but all that is aside, um, uh, Kyle, what you were talking about, like the, is it like the twenties or the, like being in the fifties It remind me of something that I read about the costume designer said that this was the hardest movie that he'd ever worked on. Because the costumes from the 50s, or I mean, sorry, the costumes from the 20s, people from the 50s like still remembered that. And so he it had to be like super detailed and specific. His other major credit was Gone with the Wind. And he was like, oh, singing in the rain was much harder to costume.
3: Yeah, I read that too. And then I was thinking about it because I read it like halfway through the movie and then I got to the scene that was the Broadway uh, dream (laughs) sequence. (laughs) And there's like, hundreds of extras in like full 1920s regalia so i was like yeah i guess that makes sense
2: yeah the costumes are absolutely incredible kind of hard to believe that they had this many for one move so many <laughs> are just seen once and then again like yeah there was clearly so much effort and time and care put into them in five seconds and they're just poof but 10 minute broadway dance number at the end of the film has so many people in it yeah it is,
0: it is like Hundreds and hundreds of dancers. It cost them six
1: hundred thousand dollars to film that one song.
4: Nineteen fifties.
3: Yeah, dude, that's like three and a half million million dollars. Siri, what is
0: that adjusted for? Adjusted for? (laughs) Yeah,
3: someone, someone Google that. I wanted to
2: to someone Google Google it. it. What's the over
0: under? I think three million. Did you guys say three? Yeah, I'll go. I'm gonna go under. It's under three million. I agree.
2: I I was gonna say that this whole thing of like it's the fifties but it's the 1920s sort of fits really neatly into this sort of weird culture theory that i have that's uh, the 30 year rule i don't know if you guys have heard of this before but there's this thing where cycle that, it's like that whatever a, a happened a, roughly <laughs> 30 years ago popular again um in music that's kind of the I have so many questions. Keep going. Does that mean that Boy Boon?
5: Yeah, this
0: is my question. I
3: hope to God. I am aching for the 90s.
2: Well, A good a good example is um, you guys all remember when Stranger Things debuted in 2016 mm. or whatever. And there was like a whole passion right around that time and actually kind of for the couple of handful of years before that too, leading up to it, of like 80s nostalgia mm, being a real thing. Totally. And it's sort of crested, I feel like, with Stranger Things and like those that year or two for me, big? I was just like, oh, it's like neon and like drum machines and like everybody's mm-hmm. doing this in music right now. Is um, this and- a question? Sorry.
0: Oh, I'm just curious about this theory. Is this like it hit their professional peak? They were suddenly able to make things that they
2: loved as kids. Is this sort of does that map to why those things go in patterns like that? I think I think there is like a generational component in that way, like what you grow up and absorb as a child sort of like ends up being what you, to a certain degree, obviously like with a twist. I just think it's one of those things where like, it rhymes, you know, with what was going on 30 years ago, (laughs) even if it's not exactly the same. Um, I think to answer your first question though, it specifically relates to music. I'm sure it's a little bit generalizable in a sense. Yeah, Sam. I got the numbers.
3: Um, Yeah, Lindsay just sent it to us. Oh, what? (laughs) She texted in the chat. us, so me and John, John and I both had moments of going Patreon. Uh, so how
4: much? How much did Lindsay get?
3: Uh
5: so it's over six million.
4: Just under six million. I put in nineteen fifty one is the year because that was probably the year But mm-hmm. we were off almost by A lot. two times. Yeah, dang! Wow, that's
1: crazy. To say about um, centuries. <laughs> so because we've already been talking about this, the the. Uh, songs another thing that i I found interesting when doing some like research on this is that when this was written there wasn't really the concept of a jukebox musical Mm -hmm. and makes sense and i'm always thrown by this because it says that it's written by camden and green um uh but it's all music by alex alex freed alfred freed his last name is free that's all i remember. But he basically he was like, hey, you're writing a musical. It's going to have all of my songs in it. Um, And it's going to be about uh, one of the, it's going to be called Singing. Write it. It's going to happen. Um, Weird. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious, like what other quote unquote jukebox musicals were came out around that time that weren't. Do you
3: think, uh, do you Uh, think ABBA did that? Where they just, I know. Did anyone see that a Mamma Mia 3 has been greenlit?
2: So excited! Can't wait to do that episode.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I haven't seen any of the Mama Me and Abba the songs. How like, no many left?
3: The second movie <laughs> recycles like four songs from the first one, <laughs> if not more,
2: because <laughs> they used <laughs> all the good Abba songs in the first one. I'm almost more excited that they have to really like offer Abba songs <laughs> in this next one. Like,
4: did any of the Abba people go solo? Or are they using like solo material at this point? I don't think so. Who's the John Lennon <laughs> of Baba? <laughs>
3: I think his name is Bjorn.
4: That's actually. Bjorn Lennon.
3: <laughs> anyway, back to. Sam I had
4: Moran. no idea this was a jukebox musical, though.
1: Well, that's the thing is that it, it's, not, it's not like it's it, it's not technically like. A, let's get like what we know jukebox musicals to be today is like, oh, just like a musical that has like all one artist that wrote it. That's not like the composing team, and well, that's what this was.
5: Would that explain why, in the last scene, they sing "Singing in the Rain" as if this is a well-known song that supposedly Jane Kelly just sang spur of the moment in a moment of aloneness in the middle of the movie?
3: I think they're just asking us to not about that. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: worried. I doubt. I'm so. We, we just talked about um West Side Story recently. And to me, the, the like styles are kind of akin in terms of like cinematography and stuff like that. Mm. You know, there's a lot of real like big color splashes and, you know, a lot of like Really interesting looking shots and kind of well crafted sequences and stuff like that. Um, but West Side Story for me just like it hangs together so well as like a complete. Singing in the Rain feels like a vaudeville sort of yeah type of show. It's like a variety show, you know. It's, yeah. They just like do stuff <laughs> and then like everyone's like, "Wow, that was amazing!" Like uh, the best example for me is the violin. Yeah.
3: Reason. So I was watching it. I started the movie and she was like standing nearby and she was kind of watching and she's like I forgot how funny this is. And I was like yeah whole backstory is <laughs> so the whole like always dignity thing and then just showing like the harassing things they did.
0: Yeah, I I love that. It's funny that that plot line basically sets itself the Broadway dance number mm-hmm. where we we see him become a Broadway dancer. It's like crappier gigs to mm-hmm. better gigs. Mm-hmm. I yeah <laughs> I have a question which for is this movie was a movie first because there is a stage.
3: Yes, it uh, this, was I'm not phrasing like a, later as a sure.
0: question. Okay, but it is a question.
3: So
5: uh, the
0: is the stage version anyone's seen it? Is it the same songs? Are there
1: more or less songs? I
5: have the score and I'm happy to look through it, but it is definitely says on the on the movie.
1: Yeah, the the, the uh musical is basic ripped from the movie. There's I would say all the songs are there in the same order um if you know if any of our listeners are please reach out to us and let us know but uh, <laughs> the there's like a couple of differences here and there i think um rf uh, the the main producer isn't as big of a character um in in the musical version what musical don't don't though it's been it's literally i haven't seen that musical on stage for and like Wait, which guy is that, R.F.?
3: The, like, leader of
0: Monumental, uh, Is he the real old guy that, like, yeah. looks like he... Okay, what Who, is like, this? like, helps
3: them in the end. This guy cracked me.
0: He cracked me up, because he's, like, not a good thing, and, like, you could see him, like... They must have rehearsed the scenes a bunch, because he's, like, literally telegraphing that he's, like, ahead of things, and he's, like, making these weird gestures, and I was like, this guy's amazing. It's, like, such... It was
3: such a fun little, like... No. The director is like, like that too like the director is just so high strung like the whole scene when they're trying to teach lena how to speak into the microphone and he's just like oh! <laughs> he just looks like he's about to have a heart attack every time yes yeah,
2: so intense <laughs> I feel like that's got to be Sam's role in this, right? Like, (laughs) funny.
3: uh, Back to the jukeboxy nature of it, though. I was thinking that, like, it almost feels like a movie with music rather than a musical, because there are very few situations in which, like, uh, in a classic musical setting, it's like the character and a song, and it's very little. It's Mm -hmm. really, it does feel like a cabaret variety show where it's like these little moments that are like oh this fun song we have for this like the moses supposes which i think is like one of the best scenes in the movie sims no sam we lost Uh-oh. your audio that point is gonna he be was lost
5: so excited he shorted it so excited <laughs> um well, i'll talk for a
2: second until we get sam back um Jules, I totally agree with that point. It does feel like there's the one big exception to that, though, which is the "Singing in the Rain" moment. Yeah, and totally. to me, that moment felt so magical because the music was like kind of campy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of. Um, and when that one was just such a direct, like, you know, this feeling of love, and you just break into song because there's no no other way to express that emotion. Uh, that felt super magical to me.
3: I love it just so much. song. And I read. Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, I read a couple different facts about that because there is like a famous legend that that was shot all in one take, um, which would be incredible i don't think but but then i read a conflict kelly had a fever of like 103 when he was shooting it he was like six me even more impressed with him (laughs) my guess is that legend comes
0: from them just they probably did shoot very long takes but it's got tons of editing in it so
5: well there's yeah there's different camera angles and stuff so i was like was it like a (laughs) multi-case search how it was done for that because that's what i was curious about
2: Oh, with like the tapping
1: in the with water.
5: The tapping, yeah.
1: So, um, uh, actually, I I read something about this, and I want to say that it was like Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire ended up like recording the taps and the um, he they they said that, oh man, this is gonna kill me because I can't remember exactly and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but um, that first off, it, it took it did not take. It did not take one day. It took them. It took them a while. I watched this really great um, like YouTube video. Of, I just typed in like "Singing in the Rain" facts, and I came, I found this interview with the director, uh, um, the guy who directed with Gene Kelly, and um, he was like, "People say that it took one day, and that's nuts. It took." or something like that he was like and then um the interviewer asked him about like so you could see the rain he was like hell no we didn't think to do that it's all lighting
3: (laughs) (laughs) sam what were you gonna say before you uh lost well
4: i you were saying things about how the songs kind of come out from nowhere Mm -hmm. a little bit more than we're used to and i was really excited to rewatch this because of uh make them laugh i love that song and i remember that being such a strong performance of a song um and when i when he's just like oh i don't know and the guy's like let me make you feel better and it's like <laughs> oh okay sure i guess that's how we get make them laugh i thought it was like an inspiration of like you gotta go out there and get them but it was like
3: oh, "I oh know." yeah
4: and then someone just kind of makes them feel better by like running into a brick wall nine times and doing two backflips
3: i don't know that being said though that number is incredible and
1: it's iconic it's iconic
3: i would say i said after has a real danny k thing about him like having just squashed inspector general like the things he does with his face and body he's just like such a clown but such an incredible dancer too a
0: better dancer than danny k for sure oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we
4: we love some face dancing on Oof. this podcast oh, yeah. we, do. Yes, we do and in the middle there when he's like doing all that boopy boopu stuff is yeah Um in it i just feel like after that number he's worked so hard and you know it's multiple takes but the dude did it you know and he, he, he's just working so fucking hard that when he only like drops over you're just like yeah so much effort it was i awesome.
3: was like i feel
4: that <laughs> yeah so crazy he's there's so
1: a, amazing there's a great version of, jo- of joseph gordon levitt doing it on saturday night live he does it for his opening monologue um it's not great but it's really entertaining <laughs>
2: There was always a confusing thing in this movie Where like that character is a piano player On (laughs) sets for movies And so there's like (laughs) I don't know It probably doesn't matter in this kind of movie But I just kept being like Okay is this a song that they can all hear Or is this a song that is just (laughs) happening Like (laughs) It's just like it really It walks in between those things. It's over 2020 and like company has already happened and like all these things are already existing. But it's just really funny to look back and see the like wild west of jukebox musicals.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think. Sure, yeah. (laughs) I think there's a lot of that are just asking us to just enjoy it, you guys. Don't ask too many questions, which as we all know, I don't mind at all. I don't need... I'm fine with plot holes if
5: it's entertaining. Wait, I'm, for a jukebox musical, this has a great plot. This is so well written.
4: You're right, Lindsay. Yeah. is right. We do give it credit—a a pioneer of jukebox musicals and having a very strong plot.
1: It has a lot of things going for it. I for for I think the watching it again this time, Sam. I feel like I had a better experience to, uh, to you of being like, yeah, these songs don't forward plot at all like you could take all of these songs out and it'd be a movie <laughs> like you wouldn't <laughs> miss anything Like i'm trying to think is is there even one song that that's important or imperative to the story? moves the plot forward Uh i
4: think singing in the rain was said earlier i think that makes sense like we're getting a window of this person's life i think like songs a lot of times are supposed to show the emotional trajectory of a character rather than like form some kind of like you know plot element but this stretches to do that but i do think singing in the rain kind of feels right in a musical sense
3: there's that one song that's like meh that when he takes her into the like big empty stage and like turns on all the lights and puts her on a ladder and like uh. sings about how he loves her or whatever that's
5: Nice. And in i forgot the rain. about that until you said it so. i know it's All not right. a great
2: song <laughs> singing in the rain makes me feel that sense of like falling in love yes and i just buy their relationship a thousand times ta- i'm just like a thousand times more invested after that song mm-hmm. and i feel like that helps the rest of the story like click into place a little bit yeah. it almost feels like the song you, t- you talked about jules where they go into the studio and like have a magic hollywood romance moment yeah <laughs> totally it was fine
3: the relationship of Cosmo with the couple because many people in my life have called me third wheeler because I always hang out with couples and I was like, I really identify with Cosmo in this moment. when It's the couple and them hanging out and like, let's sing together. Anyway, good morning. Shout out that it's dynamic.
2: Such a wonderful song and actually like a really good moment to showcase that dynamic. Yeah, because right at the end. Doesn't she give Gene Kelly like a big kiss and then? Yeah, and God he's was like, well, "What about me?" And then she gives him a kiss too, and he's like, ah, and it Falls, falls off over the couch. couch. <laughs> yeah, he's the best.
4: <laughs> yeah, he's
2: the, the film from the two thousands.
0: Silent
4: film, uh, very interesting.
0: It has a lot of same similar themes. It's like the the from mm-hmm. silent to talkies. There's like this discovery of a young star that the much older. Uh, current film star falls
3: for Mm -hmm. Mm. you know one thing i found interesting uh while i was doing my research is i've known for a while that debbie reynolds didn't do her own singing or she didn't for any of the parts so i was always like
1: no you ready for i was
3: always like why
1: oh here's another level of irony so while the character um uh uh who, who who does what's her Kathy? Uh, character of Kathy is dubbing Lena Lamont in real life. Debbie Reynolds was being dubbed by Gene Hagan, who plays Lena Lamont in Sound of Music.
3: Yeah, I read that. Not the singing, there's like one line that um, it's is the actually line, Gene
1: Hagan's it's, voice. It's the, line, um, it's the line, ironically enough. In the scene where she's recording over it, what's happening? Gee, th- That's Gene Hagen.
3: But Whoa. I had this real moment of a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about West Side Story. And I was like, uh, Natalie Wood is neither Latina or does her own singing. So why is she playing this character it is about her being the voice of Lena Lamont. And she's not doing her own singing. And I was like, Oh, well, she must've been this great dancer. And then I was reading, she had never danced before when she got cast, she was 19 years old and she had been a gymnast for a long time. And Jean Kelly was like, I'll teach her and like gave her like a great course in dancing, but she had never danced. So I was like, Wait, why, why, why doesn't it re- happen when you're beautiful?
0: Yeah. She didn't well. do any of her singing?
3: I think I was like rewatching it. I was like, I think she did. Good morning. I got it. Cause it sounds a lot like her speaking voice. But if you listen to the, the songs where she's dubbing Lena Lamont, it's this really like rich, deep voice that sounds nothing like her. And it's, oh, it's so weird. But I did read a fun fact about Debbie Reynolds because Gene Kelly is like this famous, like taskmaster, like super intense workhorse. And she there's a famous quote by her that's the two most difficult things in my life were childbirth and singing in the rain (laughs) because she worked so hard on it. And he was just giving her this like crazy crash course in
2: dancing. (laughs) to all that choreo, though, because it is wonderful. It's amazing. It is so delightful. And every, it just feels like there's so much love invested in every single moment. Mm. And there's even a bunch of, like, chorus, you know, like, big ensemble dance moments that feel Mm -hmm. so, like, cared for and Mm -hmm. specific and special, Mm. you know? Like, um, in that big Broadway set piece, there's, you know, a billion extras involved in that scene but Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of great moments of dance there and um I yeah I I was totally blown away this this watch through by Mm -hmm. all the dancing again I think it's something I initially really loved about this movie when I was a kid Uh um but then kind of got focused on like the songs and the acting and this time I was like oh the dancing is just so Sublime. It's wonderful. Gene Kelly move.
3: I mean, like, even in the song, the fiddling song, when it's the two of them and Donald O'Connor is like a fantastic thing about Gene Kelly's body that just, it's like made to dance. It's
2: incredible to watch. There's just so much like confidence and balance and sort of like, just like composure inside the dance like it yeah there's he's great to watch he's mm. extremely watchable his his body is so like quiet mm-hmm. in a way where it's like all the moves are very deliberate but they also feel very like you know like in kind of relaxed in a weird way Like I don't know like he's really using the exact
3: watching. amount of energy that he needs to do that action yeah it's thing.
2: so super graceful yeah. Uh one of my favorite
1: things to watch is group tap dancing. Because mm. with that much synchronicity, I'm just like, oh, it's so beautiful. And so any like um uh like in Moses Opposes where they're doing these like complex, long sequence and they are exactly the same. And for real, for real in Good Morning when it's all three of them doing the same thing. Like, it, to me, it just is like, oh, this is what musical theater should make people feel like. <laughs> totally. I it so much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and I mentioned her earlier, but like, oh, the Sid Charisse bit in the weird Broadway sequence where it's like, there's no reason for her to be their character in the movie, but she's just... This like incredible dancer, and I just love watching them dance together.
0: I think I read about this today, and it was because John, you may know this, you did the trivia deep dive. It's that Broadway sequence was added later, and that um, Donald O'Connor isn't in it because he was doing some other film, and then Hmm. um, Debbie Reynolds isn't in it because she's not good enough dancer. Basically, yeah, I
3: read. There's a quote from Sid Charisse that says she credits Debbie Reynolds. Not being a good enough dancer for her role in that movie. That's funny. So she, but she's beautiful. She's like, oh, I'm like, that's my new, that's my new body goals. <laughs> Why did I ever stop dancing? I love her so much.
1: Um, I don't clock me on this. I might be wrong, but I I remember reading somewhere that she originally had the the girl who plays that role originally was all that Debbie Reynolds plays. Hmm. and wasn't able to do it for some reason.
3: That's I think, right. I read that too. Oh, th- no, no, no. It was in American in Paris. She was supposed to be the
1: female in that movie. Mm. So American in Paris is the is the reason that this acclaimed because American in Paris had come out before this and everybody was like, oh my God, he's an amazing musical director. And Certainly this, more popular than nowadays, American in Paris. Now, right?
2: now it is. Sorry, Kyle. How, how much of this movie is like a Gene Kelly passion project? I don't know why, but I sort of had the the in my mind that Gene Kelly was like was somehow involved in the creatively like really invested in this movie.
1: Yeah, he had he 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 had a contract with MGM, um, uh, to, and basically it was like paired with um, uh, Camden and Green and and um, uh, composer Freed. I can't remember his uh first name for some reason. Um, and uh, it's something that they all worked on together. I mean, as much as you could, because uh, mm-hmm. Gene Kelly was the like dir- uh, a, a, a directing, like taking it from like a direct- the book and music slash lyrics that were taken from. Um, Freed,
3: I mean, this the is- whole fingerprints, you know, because so the dancing
1: is just after American in Paris. He had he was he basically was given like the golden keys.
3: Yeah, I've never seen American in Paris. I would love to watch that after this.
1: Oh. <laughs> American in Paris is so good. <laughs>
3: I read another quote from Saint Charisse that, um, just in reference to is, uh, later on her always tell who you've been dancing with when she came home from work, because she would be covered in bruises with Gene Kelly because he's so intense. And then otherwise she had been working with Fred Astaire because Fred Astaire was very like smooth and gentle.
2: <laughs> that makes sense. Snubbed it for awards or whatever. Um, and inside the song called make them laugh the song is that, you know, dramas are all fine and good. Um, but that you actually get to people's hearts through comedy. I was just wondering, do you guys agree with that? And why do you think that doesn't translate into like, like that?
1: Mm, that's a good question, Kyle, because I, I definitely think that I, I was told in like sixth grade uh, that it's harder to be a comedic actor than to be a dramatic actor. Um, because comedy is hard. Comedy is like really hard. And it's, and, and it's also what you Yeah. Exactly. What you just said. It's like, that's how you reach people is by like making them laugh as opposed to, you know, making them cry and, and think. Um, I think that, I think that for my money, comedies are much more enjoyable. Um, uh, and I think that 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 dramas are kind of like seen as like a, a like prolific or 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 you know like have like a lot of weight behind them. And and that's why they get the acclaim. Um and then that's why every once in a while it's when like a random bridesmaids nomination pops up, you're like, oh yeah, this is there's is also funny movies. <laughs> Sam, what are you thinking?
4: Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think, you know. What did you say reaching them with comedy and you got to keep them with enough drama. Uh, I think uh, a lot of times why comedies get overlooked is because uh, a comedy usually, you know, in Shakespeare's time, like always ended with a wedding. Um, and sometimes comedy, it's like you get to the status and like the joke is in the comedy that the status stays the same. Right. Or and sometimes a lot of times in comedy, like I don't know if I would say that comedy is harder. I think they're just different skills
3: well I you're don't. also like very naturally yeah, just,
4: right i didn't have to learn it i didn't have to go to school for it. the other one i had to go to school for so i that's how i feel
2: <laughs> there is it's, that famous trope of like good comedic actors also tend to make like really outstanding dramatic actors as well mm-hmm. like there's a lot of great examples of very funny actors that have gone on to do like really interesting dramatic performances as well um oh do you think that's robin like williams think of like Mm-hmm. Um. God, there's so many. I'm. I just think of the one.
4: I like Robin Williams better as an actor than as a comedian, for yeah. sure. He's really good. Jason Bateman is doing that right as we speak. He's right. making his turn.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then you have. I was like- gonna say too. It's it's worth. Go. Let's let's stay on this. Oh no! It's just worth noting that like awards for art are sort of bullshit. It's kind of fun right. to still follow it, but that <laughs> musicals and comedies are lumped into the same category. Often yeah. they're just like tossed away. I was I agree with you Sam. Comedies often aren't trying to say anything important. They're often t- trying to be more entertainment and like a drama or uh you know a serious you know biopic is like really trying to make you think about this one thing and <laughs> comedy's doing the opposite which is like just don't think for a, an hour or two.
2: Have some Especially
3: fun. this movie. Don't ask too many questions.
2: Adding some imagination and taking something as dull and serious as a um, vocal lesson and turning it into something really fun. I agree, oh man. I'm going to bang so my head funny. into the
0: wall every time I'm getting preached to in a movie. It's like,
2: <laughs> just
0: entertain me, please. Like,
4: Yeah, you're a movie, you're not a college professor. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: No, Sam. Uh, I need my movies and all of my corporations <laughs> to do my ethical thinking for me.
3: Okay?
4: <laughs> uh, I mean, we talked about that big budget on the last scene, right? Six hundred thousand dollars, which we know is a lot of money today. But the whole movie's budget was two and a half million dollars. So they spur a fifth of the budget on one number. I, I mean, mean, it's, it's great. And big. it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got to get your money's worth.
1: Yum. Yeah. Um. uh I was going to say, Josh, to your point, I'm reminded of that David Mamet quote that says theater does not, it should entertain, it should not educate or preach. I'm like, thank God, David Mamet. That is is so true. I'm not here. Like Anytime a show gets preachy at me, I'm like, ugh, and now I'm turned off.
0: That's kind of strange coming from him because I feel like some of his work is very dark and it, it makes me leave the theater going, Boy life is crap <laughs> which is a very serious
1: thing to, to leave thinking something but at no point is it, it do they turn to the audience and say like this is the purpose of this play and this yeah. you yeah. need to know you can, look
3: at yourself
1: <laughs> you can observe characters that have opinions and 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 you know those opinions should be tested and if you're bringing them up they need to be tested um but at no point is it is it once it becomes preachy, it becomes church and we're people. man. what you thinking?
4: I'm just loving that we're having like the musical shouldn't be too preachy when we're talking about singing in the rain. It just feels to me. I mean, I guess we're saying that it's such a not preachy musical, but I love that like this discussion. But I think it's hilarious that this is the musical that inspired it, too. Well, this is like
2: the kind of perfect example of a musical that doesn't really try and. Celia on any kind of point of view or whatever, you know, like for sure. I think there's almost so much like implicit going on in this musical that like anything overt would have been way too much. You know, it's like this movie just coasts on a cloud. And I feel like mm. we're right at the very beginning of this discussion, we were talking about all the things that squick us out in 2020, um, from looking back. And it's a lot this movie has no awareness of, which I think is like interesting, you know, like. I wonder if there's a pleader a where we sort of like try and like challenge ideas and do things like that, you know, not necessarily entertain st- single moment kind of sense, but like, mm-hmm. you know, th- is there a, a place for challenging people want it, especially in New York? Like, I don't, I don't mean this as, as
0: a negative uh, thing in any way, but New York, the audiences are so liberal and progressive here that I think people, it's it's not necessarily self-serving they just expect to see their views reflected and they want to be challenged towards tourists and like people mm. don't live in progressive liberal bubbles but uh, does that does that ring true for you guys that that's oh, yeah, totally. especially in new york i feel like the very sticated people here that uh, that's
2: where yeah they're coming it, from. it also it's also very possible to like appear challenging without truly challenging anything <laughs> that's <laughs> very true it's and I
0: yeah it's so hard these days because everything is on online and if you actually strike some controversy you run the risk uh, of production being ruined because you get you know one troubled review that blows up and you could respond to it poorly I don't, I don't know if this many examples of this I just feels like a scenario that could easily play out that 90, you have to closer to the line of like I, conservatively I thinking, like, telling great challenges. comment is a good
1: example of this comment. that's exactly what happened in great comment.
2: What happened? What happened? Mandy Patinkin was going to be uh, one of the leads in the production and due to a scheduling thing um, but for his his role in Great Comet, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but it moved up and so they had to replace a Black actor in that role with Mandy Patinkin and it was like, It's just like this weird thing where they were like needing to fill the house. And so they wanted some star power and they could only have Mandy Patinkin for like this set, like couple of months or whatever. And it, it was, it became a huge controversy in the show ended up closing over that. And um, there's like a part of me that is totally like, yeah, that makes sense. Like you just hired this black actor to be in this role and then you like immediately replace them with a white guy. Like I totally get that being. Um, super triggering and
5: upsetting. It's
0: not, it's not hard to hear that story and be like, "That's not about race, though. It's like about Manny Patinkin's oh. star power, right?" But then, yeah, I'm but I'm so sure it wasn't. I feel like, like
5: that. it was not handled well by like, uh, what what the hell do you call it? The marketing department basically did not handle that well, is what happened, and that that's why it blew up the way it did. Mm.
1: Did they respond poorly to something? Is that so the whole point of this? What What had happened was there was a there was a lot of issues with the actor that was originally brought on to 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 play the role of um, uh, pierre and especially because pierre has to play instruments something we're all aware of and the actor who was brought in couldn't play any instruments and it was a very quick casting decision, and that was just overlooked. Uh, but then, yeah, Kyle, you're correct. The the he was he was at, he he was contracted for Homeland, and so he was like, look, he has to he has to it has to be like this month, or whatever. And so they uh, announced it, and then Mandy Patinkin was attacked by it, and without consulting anybody, Mandy Patinkin was like, look, guys, I just like my, but you know what? Fine, I'm out. I'll pull out. I won't do it. And then um, David Malloy, the composer, got involved and um, s- s- said some said some some feverish things on Twitter. And then the producers started pulling money. And then he let people know that that was happening. And then it just kind of all oh cl- boy, oh no, it all cl- what a
0: mess. Um, so it's the thing about Twitter like everybody's got a mouthpiece and <laughs> you know what I mean. Like Twitter's is such a weird place. It's like a place for your private thoughts that should just like be said to your friends who are like maybe don't say that out loud. Like that's okay. Maybe not that. No. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. That's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that show ended that way. I did not know. It,
1: sucks. And it was such a good musical. It was so good and it did not have to end. And it did. It did. Um. Yeah. I think about like social media and theater and social media is such something that I think I, I mentioned this to you all before, but I see it as like such an infinite game where there's no, rules and everybody has different motives for being there and it's like the ground is ripe for miscommunication and for performing oh yeah yeah quote-unquote performing other people perceive that and it's it's kind of the
0: it's the catch-22 of of twitter especially because the the way the whole program works like ever the same level playing field there's not like you can watch conversations play out they don't get buried in any way and like that's a blessing and a curse because you could be Mandy Patinkin, who, you know, by some rights, maybe has some authority to like have opinions on theater.
2: And you could be anybody, any like saying crazy shit to him. He has mm-hmm. to engage. Speaking mm-hmm. of um, Gene, count Cal- his role in the <laughs> whatever, like period piece that they're shooting. The doodling in that- Cavalier. And the dancing cavalier, the dueling cavalier, yeah, looks exactly like Mandy Patinkin oh, in yeah, Princess Bride. Right.
1: Oh, <laughs> <It's> amazing <laughs>
2: um, Oh, that's so. I ch- have like a really short, really fun story about Singing in the Rain, and it's uh, one of the reasons why I love this musical so much. Is my first audition for a musical ever was the song Singing in the Rain, Aww. and I sang it. My it was like. I think the second week of high school for me, I was a freshman in high school and I auditioned for the wizard of Oz singing in the rain and I ended up getting in and
3: who'd you play?
2: I played a munchkin and a flying monkey. And uh, probably something else
4: i mean nice. while we're here let's get into it tell us about the flying monkey part <laughs> oh
2: yeah yeah my high school um was definitely a little <laughs> bit freewheeling with this production of the wizard of oz we did have a, a cut from the Wiz in there which is uh um Ooh. no bad uh was really a song. good songs <laughs> fantastic uh today was in there as well from who is um but we, the probably the most different element of this musical to the actual Wizard of Oz was during the Flying Monkey sequence. Um, we didn't have that fun music that's like your Kathy Ann Creason in the pit with all the high school orchestra kids and they were doing a, a version of the Immigrant song by Zeppelin. and so as Kathy <laughs> Ann Creason, this like big Kentucky woman who was just like in the pit going like, Ah! Ah! ah. <laughs> From the land of the ice and snow, and we're all on rollerblades, <laughs> flying monkeys. We're like rollerblading what? around, going off a ramp, and stuff. The lights are cl- definitely the most. Um, was being on rollerblades and being shouted at by my- <laughs> with Kathy and Grayson. That sounds so good. <laughs> oh, those <fun>. good days. <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, can we do uh, like favorite characters or who would you want to play? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll star- start. Oh, no, oh, yeah, you go. No, I brought it up. I should go last.
3: I would want to play Lena Lamont because I think she's hilarious. So fun, love doing a voice, <laughs> and she's got great cost. Um, and obviously, I'm I'm uh, not a Kathy Selden type. So, I mean, obviously, I want to be Citraise, but but um, I just don't have those chops. And she doesn't speak, so you know, that's me, Sam.
4: Uh, as said before, I should be the direct, I think it would be fun. Also the, uh, the friend, what's his name? Cosmo. 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 Yeah. It would be super fun to be Cosmo. I think we all know that by the end of, uh, make them laugh, I would just be a pool of sweat, which would be you um, might be dead. <laughs> yeah, I would have to like literally have a medical emergency on stage. Uh, that'd be super fun. That's mine.
2: <laughs> Kyle. I don't know who I'd be in this. I'd probably be like Debbie or something. I don't know. Um, def- oh, you know who I would be? I would be the uh, the guy who's the like um, elocution teacher. <laughs> the guy who has all the like tongue twisters that he really likes to say. Yeah.
3: Oh, I love how excited he gets about them. Like, oh, this one's fun.
5: <laughs> Just I reads love it to diction.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
5: You know the guy in the western that gets punched and never gets back up—that one, Seldon.
3: You'd be great.
5: I like the part where he doesn't get to speak.
1: (laughs) John, what about you? So, Jules, yet again, you and I are just choosing the same characters, and one of these days, I will, I will reprise a female role. I want to play Lena Lamont so bad only be, for, for multiple reasons. First off, she gets a pie in the face and I love sure. her. She has all those amazing costumes <laughs> and villain of this happy musical. And totally. I am fascinated. kind of, I don't know, like there's just something about the musical that I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. It's really <laughs> fun. And I love like, Oh, um, uh, so, uh, while, while we're here, uh, Jean uh, uh, Hager what was her name? Uh, I ju- Hagen. Hagen. Jean Hagen. Was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this role. Mm. Yes, she was. Yes. We teased a little bit early on. There's also another BSA in this musical and it's none other than Rita Moreno. Who we love. If you blink, you'll miss her. She originally <laughs> had a song and a full part that was cut in the, uh, from the movie. Our West Side Story? Yeah yeah and um, uh, she she talks in this um, a movie that it was so nice to be offered a part where she didn't have to play her ethnicity Mm, that it was like no we're casting you because we like you not because you're the Latino woman here put on this red wig Put on <laughs> yeah, that was like a big deal, and and uh, we're not casting you because of your race. We're asking you to hide your race. <laughs> Is the world better now? Great. <laughs> it's 1951. We've solved racism. <laughs> <laughs> the Civil War wasn't even a hundred years ago, but don't worry, it's over oh my god oh, Jesus um Uh. so that we would be, that would be my answer because I, I, however if I really was the reason that I brought up Rita Moreno because if I was really to be cast in this movie like today if I walked on to an audition room and they were like we need somebody to play this part I would play the guy who goes Zelda it's Zelda
3: I love that <laughs> moment it's so good and it would just be me being like
1: Rita <laughs> Moreno it's Rita Moreno
0: <laughs> yeah there's so many That's good so bit good. parts in this movie
3: josh what's your answer
0: three-part answer to this one is i would love to be a, as good of a dancer or be good at, as at anything as gene kelly is a dancing in this it's just it's it's amazing to watch him be just so talented at something hmm. makes me jealous <laughs> that'll never happen second answer is that i I would love to share that was that what the actor's Bobby Watson is the actor's name, um, who interestingly in the for, between the like mid forties and sixties played Hitler in like nine or ten films.
3: What?
0: <laughs> sort of crazy. He like
4: imagine being typecast. Yeah. <laughs> that
5: um,
0: sucks, man. And the cop that just shows up and stands yeah. there and just makes him stop is like would be the <laughs> most fun to just walk on and be that character. <laughs>
1: I will say that you? this is the second movie that we've watched that has had... And now because we're, we're recording in the middle of June, cops uh, are viewed very differently than they were in the 50s and 60s. I felt this way with West Side Story, but also in um, uh, Singing in the Rain and that opening... opening uh, uh, Or like the second scene when Gene Kelly just jumps in her car and the officer pulls over. He's like, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, no, it's fine. Thanks, officer. And he's like, all right, you two kids have a great night. It's like, ooh, this is... Yeah different to be seen in june 2020 <laughs> yeah for sure mm. josh oh,
3: you're commi- you're i do think crime? oh
0: i'll let you go
1: i know I who
3: do you fi- are oh yeah you're famous you can do whatever you want yeah <laughs> josh i do think you would make a great don lockwood something i like about that character is that he is like the hero leading man but he's it's still a really fun part i mean he's got a lot of fun stuff
0: don lockwood which character is don Gene Kelly. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I could act. I could act it. I couldn't say uh, dance yeah. it. That's. Absurd. I would love to watch
3: you dance it, though. I will. I could say. try. Hey. Dance
5: captain. Usually, <laughs> that's true.
3: So. I thought I was dance captain. Look, I have professional training.
5: Oh, it's, not, Shane, it's changed not a few not times.
0: Impossible.
5: <laughs> I get you well, two mixed up. I'm sorry. <laughs>
4: we both don't know how to dance.
0: No, I can dance fine. I just can't dance, play an instrument, sing, and no choreography all at the same time. That's I
3: would say awesome. I, think, Sometimes I think I Let's can. Bang in Death Cruise had some very impressive choreography.
2: That is true. Death no, you're right, Josh. Had- it's like five-dimensional chess. It is extremely hard. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we is- have this weird theater company where we have to be quadruple or five-dimensional chess Five <laughs> dimensional chess jokes in even this words. movie
2: was something that really killed me. She's like, Oh, she can't yeah, sing, she can't dance, and she can't act. She's a triple threat.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he has a some th- of the best a threat one-liners. to this film.
5: <laughs> what do you think I'm dumb or
3: something I love her
0: <laughs> I love the joke that director comes in and he's like stop stop the work uh, Work! oh I can finally make the symphony I've always wanted and he goes what no we're hiring you as the, the musical director for the whole thing he's like oh I can finally make the symphony I've always
3: wanted <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he says like oh I can finally start suffering write the symphony and yeah he's yeah like, I can stop suffering and write the symphony
4: that's it
0: Thank he's you.
3: great he is just
0: I love a fantastic. I love a joke that's just repeated.
1: He also smoked four <laughs> packs of cigarettes a day while oh. doing this. Four packs a day. You're Telling me that the guy who smokes four packs of cigarettes did make him laugh. That doesn't seem well. Possible. This was probably cigarettes in the 50s. As much wrath poison. Then they would have been.
3: They would have been so much worse. Here's he just, another. Now
1: I will say that. Oh, okay. You now that he sure. was a
3: fun that's amazing. cigarette fact in this movie that like, I, I'm sorry to keep bringing her up, but um, the first I shot of Sid to- when right. she's in the, she's sitting there smoking, that's the only cigarette Sid ever smoked in her entire life. And or you guys
0: are, all kinds of fun facts. This
1: is, it was, that's super interesting.
3: I read some trivia. I was also like, tell me everything about Sid
1: When I read that trivia, I thought immediately of you, Jules, in that picture. <laughs>
3: Thank you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> sh- you're not smoking. Sh- Sam already screen shared that during this podcast
1: in a previous. I was posing for a photo. So is should Sharice. <laughs> just a moving photo.
3: She and I are pretty much the same person. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Um, what else is there to talk about
2: singing in the rain? Any 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 anything that we've missed? Anything? Oh, just go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. It is oh. such a delight. It'll put you in a really good mood for the mm-hmm. most part, I would say. Like your battles you know but it it made me feel very happy and me too it's just yeah you're floating on a cloud by the end
1: (laughs) we i i i wanted to say earlier we were talking about it being a jukebox musical and not all of the songs were taken from alfred freed alex freed it's an a something freed um i'm gonna check up for you john thank you um camden and green did write two songs The first one is Moses supposed a song. I mean, it's a song. and It's great. The lyrics and it's a you know what I mean. And then the Arthur Freed. Arthur, it's Arthur. (laughs) Why yada? Um, uh, the the other song that they wrote is make them laugh with to the song called Be a Clown, which if any of
0: you had from the what's the Pirates movie? That's the it's a it's a pirate musical, right?
3: Doesn't Gene Kelly sing
0: that No, no, no. Doesn't he? That's Gene Kelly sing that song? Possibly. All I know is that. Oh,
2: that's so nuts. (laughs) This movie has two minutes of reality. I just didn't (laughs) even care. The fact that Debbie Rudd was dubbed is is still in my brain from (laughs) earlier.
1: that she was dubbed by the person who she's dubbing yeah. you know, that she's dubbing. It's just... the
3: whole thing is that she's dubbing a voice and she doesn't sing and didn't dance. So why? I guess as Lindsay said, being pretty is good. It's a pretty privilege and 20 years younger than the person you're playing. Opposite. Yeah.
4: My point was going to be that she was very young, which is also kind of an ironic part of the movie too. What do you mean? I mean, he was uh, I mean, the actress was young in the film as well, you know, mm-hmm. so True. there's like a whole whole meta thing. going
2: on. I wanted to shout out was the uh, the kind of like sequence in the beginning where they give their backstory and stuff. All the stuntman gags that gene kelly gets to do are so <laughs> awesome the one where that he goes off the cliff on a motorcycle into the water i was especially just like oh! i <laughs> rewatched that specific one
0: like three times because it looked so real the first time that i was like wait some movie from the 50s this is like the cheesiest special effects this can't be real and if you slow it down it's a dummy obviously but you can see okay. that there's like there's some sort of explosion or something that like blows the hands of the dummy off the motorcycle. Cause like, as it hits the ramp, there's like this little puff of smoke. And then the, the, the dummy just sort of, I'm leaning back. The dummy just sort of lets go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's amazing. Fascinating.
3: That's my theory. I can't, you know, come at me, internet. <laughs> uh, fun fact is that Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly had never worked together which was surprising to me. So, I mean they work as such an amazing unit together. But Donald O'Connor was only 27 I think in it and Gene Kelly's 39 or 40.
1: In a lot of the documentaries and like stuff that I watched, they referred to Gene Kelly as a dancer and Donald O'Connor as a hoofer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know the difference, but I think I don't want to be called a hoofer. Thing. A
5: hoofer, it's a it's a style of tap dancing. <coughs> oh, uh, really? It's a little more, it's a little grittier. It's more into the ground, whereas tap dance is like up and light. And what Gene Kelly does is very oh. called
2: a hoofer. Take that back. Call me a hoofer. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the more
5: impressive one.
2: Really? Yeah, um, I think it just implies like a tap focus a little bit, right? Whereas like Gene Kelly is competent in like so many styles.
5: everything.
2: But yeah, Hoofer to me suggests like kind of almost like 20s tap. You know, like <laughs> anything goes when you're just like really getting into it.
1: Oof. Let's
2: do anything goes as a company.
1: Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine all of us? We'd be so
2: acting,
3: good at it.
1: Acting, singing and tap dancing. <gasps>
3: I recently found my tap shoes from the production of Anything Goes I was in in high school. And they sort of still fit. They're a little tight, but they're really nice.
1: The one dance that I'm good at is tap dancing. <laughs> I love tap dancing, love, love, love. Um, wonderful. Well, that I think if, if, if we if we have all spoken our piece, <laughs> um If we have all spoken oh, our.
0: We're looking at a photo of a lady in a cat costume, and in the background is a very young Julian <laughs> Wheeler with a cigarette in her mouth, and Sam in the background, another a very young Sam going, Oh my God. As if he had just seen his sister smoking a cigarette. You can't we tell were it's Jules, dres- to be fair. So I feel like it's not. We bad were for this dressed photo.
3: as bad Sandy and good Danny from Greece for Halloween. Oh. And it was uh, just a few months before he moved to New York, I think.
4: Uh, no, no, I think this was a. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. America, just you will be able to see this photo. If you just go to my Facebook and look at it. You'll get to decide for yourself. No, they should have to pay for it, Julianne.
3: Just scroll through my Facebook for a really long time. Actually, I think my Facebook is private, so fuck you.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Subscribe. You can email me and I will send it to you directly.
3: (laughs) Along with the photo of uh, Josh as Tum Tugger. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a package, <laughs> a
1: package deal. Deleting my Facebook now. <laughs> 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 Carry on this conversation, reach out to us at info at Thicket and Thistle. Or, right? Th- info at. <laughs> this I happens should, every time. I should know this by now. I'm the only one. Info
5: artist. at thicketandthistle.org. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: you should join next
0: week because our special guest is Mandy Patinkin and the actor who he replaced. uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can keep up to date with our latest shows by going to thicketandthistle.org. If you liked what you heard, please follow us on your social media app of choice. We are pretty easy to find.